Hello and welcome to this special installment of the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. I will be your host. And today I sat down for a long overdue podcast with my friend Jack Bauer. And Jack is the stats guy of OCR. He's like the Billy Bean, the Paul DePodesto, or like the Daryl Morey even of obstacle course racing. But basically Jack is super smart, knows a lot about the sport and the athletes who participate in it. You've probably heard him on other podcasts dropping these ridiculous knowledge bombs about stats but jack is also a badass athlete and is on the spartan pro team he's also very thoughtful when it comes to his training and he wants to really evaluate the things that he is doing and how it will help his performance so jack and i we are both doing the ocr stars so we sat down and did a deep dive on all four events to give you strategies for how to train and execute and this first part is an ongoing series that we're going to do throughout the OCR Stars competition. So this is kind of like the pilot episode. So it's a very long preview, and we decided to break it into two parts. And so make sure if you like these two uh, first episodes to follow us along during the OCR Stars competition. We'll probably drop these episodes on Fridays or earlier in the week. Just be on the lookout for when these do drop. And in this first episode, we want to give you some episode, uh, some insights on the first event, which is the mile, and the first gym workout, which is called Gripper Chipper. Cool. So plus we talk about some of the athletes who will participate and what the contenders are going to look like and who to look out for. So we are on Jack Bauer. And this we have another really cool event coming up. And I think that this kind of can kind of parlay into each other because of OCR stars. And I kind of think that this could be a qualifier into something that is a more legitimate Spartan games, just because an invite only uh, championship is a little silly. So this might be the, the, the way to kind of get people in. And Hunter said that he wasn't necessarily thinking that this was, that there was going to be like an in-person OCR stars games, like a CrossFit games, but maybe. I think that, that I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. What do you think? Have you ever thought about like event like a CrossFit style games for OCR? Uh, you mean Spark Combine? Yeah. It was. That the, well, was that so yeah. That was also invite though. That was also not a qual call qualify yeah. in. Yeah. That no, I I did that in Las Vegas uh, a couple of years or Laughlin, I guess, just outside of Las Vegas, and I don't think that I've ever been as sore after one day of competition in my entire life, doesn't matter. Breckenridge, Tahoe, the hardest stadium race, like high rocks, that Spartan combine, I was wrecked, but it was so worth it. And that was just like a, a, a bunch of events in one day. Yes. I would love to see it like CrossFit where there's like four events in one day over the course yep. of three or four days. And, yeah, we, had, and we had seven events during that. And the last two were a one mile bucket carry and then a one mile double sandbag carry in sand with obstacles and other grip stuff mixed. Like by the mile, end, one <laughs> mile, it, it was, it was oh, it's so painful. Yeah. That's brutal. That's it just like, like 40 minutes to do the double sandbag at the end of it with, oh, oh it was so bad. But something like that, you don't get to see like an all out run, you know, where you you can't really see where the capacity is just because the workload over one day is just too much. And that would be hard to recover if you did like a hard 5k in the middle of that. It would just kind of make people spent. But that's what's gonna be cool about this event where we're gonna get to see where people's highest end of fitness is because it's a multiple week, uh, multiple event type of uh, situation. So I'm really looking forward to to seeing how this kind of plays out. And that's really going to be the idea about we're going to hang out and we're going to chat every week during OCR stars and give people an idea of, you know, how to kind of approach these events and how, what you should look for in terms of strategy. 
And then also like some people, some competitors and, and who we think is going, what type of athletes we think will do pretty well for this. This is the first episode of that series. And in this episode, we are going to talk about the ways to kind of train for this and kind of what to anticipate based on what we know collectively, we have a good idea of what's coming. Right. So we'll be able to kind of talk about that and what to expect. And then we'll give us talk about some of the athletes that we do think will do well. And if that, and it, what type of athletes we think should excel in these things. So yeah, we just kind of got to talk and, and people might know you Jack from some of the other podcasts that you've been on, but just give people a quick rundown of who you are as like an athlete and what you got going on. Yeah. So not as fast as you, I can't run a 10 mile in 5127 or what <laughs> did this weekend which is just ridiculous um thank you huge pr but yeah yeah I, I i've been running probably since i was 14 so 17 years at this point ended up doing okay in in high school i uh, was a walk-on at university of new hampshire for track did that for two years wanted to live more of a, a normal college life because i hated waking up at 5 a.m to go on a five hour bus ride to the middle of Maine and then miss out on all weekend activities and stuff. So it was, it was just like, I was done with that. Played a bunch of intramurals, bunch of ultimate Frisbee for a few years, kind of got into weightlifting for a bit and, but still sort of liked running, but I, it was one of those things where I knew I'd probably start running again. Cause you, you never see a, a fit 30 year old former baseball player. You always see right. fit former runners or current runners, but like your, your options are pretty limited once you reach like your, your thirties and stuff with, with recreational sports. And I was like, I just don't want to have a beer belly. I, I've got family history of health issues and stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to start running again. So started doing that kind of did a couple of minor local obstacle races in grad school. When I went to Texas A&M, I just saw them like on the posters of the gym, won my first two, did a tough mutter, started at like the 10 o'clock or nine 30 heat because I didn't want to be in the first heat of the day. Cause I didn't like waking up early. Um, and <laughs> again, Reoccurring theme. Reoccurring theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm not on the East Coast either, so it's later in the day for you, but fine for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, so so did did some of those. Did my first Spartan in twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty fifteen. It was the Austin Sprint. So after winning and getting second in my first few, I did I did the Warrior Dash World Championship also the year before and got like. 25th or something like that. That was, I mean, there were good people at the top, but it quickly diluted after the top 15 or so. But so I did my first ever Spartan. Do you know how, how I did in that one? I don't know. I, don't I, know got, I got 72nd overall. Oh my, my God. Spartan. I failed four obstacles. I failed the spear throw. I'm not lying. The Z wall rope climb and the plate drag. I couldn't rope climb. Oh yeah, no, I was I was not fit at all, like in terms of overall functionality, and so so I ended up uh, getting like seventy second or something like that. I was I was in like top three or so, that, kind of like you with the, your your first race. You're like I'm I'm a better runner than these people. I'm pretty. I go to the gym. I'm pretty fit and stuff. And yeah, you just went out there like I belonged. And then you know the wheels fell off once uh, the compromise running was involved. Did the plate drag get stuck? It got it got stuck. I went to take it out. And he's like, you can't do that. And I'm like, what? I don't want to have to do burpees again. I'm just going to, I'm going to stay here for five minutes and try to drag this thing through mud. <laughs> Never got out. And I it wasted happened. all that energy and then had to do burpees anyway. And like, that was so frustrating. And then at the, at the rope climb, I was trying like the, you, I didn't know how to do a J hook or anything. And I'm like <laughs> two inches from the top stuck up there for like three minutes in a row. I'm like, I am not missing. And I, I went for it, 
dropped in there and I was just about to walk off the course. I was like, screw this race. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and then I ended up deciding one of, one of my friends uh, was at that race also at, at work. Um, and we, we just decided to do the Dallas stadium race. Cause I'm like, you know what? All right, maybe I'll try one of these ones that isn't a trail run where I won't step on cactus and stuff. Ended up doing Dallas. Didn't do too well. I was still like 25th or 30th place or something like that. But I'm like, all right, it's a little bit of an improvement. And then 2016 happens and I ended up running into Yancey again because he was in Austin. I was in Houston at the time. And he was like, hey, man, I, I remember you, you ended up winning some of those warrior dashes that we were in before. Like, what's happened? Like, you should be dominating Spartan. Like, I, I know you're there. You just don't have any sense of, like, training direction and stuff. I'm like, oh, I know how to run and I know how to lift. He's like, it's not that easy. So we kind of ended up, you know, I started working with him around then and within a year or so I got my first podium and, you know, did a lot better in the stadium series over the next couple of years and finally joined the 6,000 other members on the Spartan Pro Team this year. So it was like, Holla. Yeah. On there, it's a great year for it. Put that yeah, season pass to work. I'm un- um, yeah, I'm undefeated this year. Dude, so. crushing. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, that, that's a testament to you, right? Like, and I think that's what happens to a lot of athletes who come at, into this, who think that it's going to go well and then it does not go well they just don't come back no. they're like oh this i thought i was prepared uh, i don't really want to dive into a new endeavor i just want to kind of keep the routine and runners are the same thing you know runners who are already fit who can run fast you know who can run you know 15 30 or something come out and get worked yep and they're like ah eh, this isn't this isn't just easy i thought this was just yeah. going to be another road race i, I ran a 16 28 5k that same week or not same week but like that same month that i ended up getting 72nd or something my first race right and that's and i was looking around i'm like that guy has a beer belly and i am getting whooped by him yeah this guy probably couldn't do a pull-up to save his life or break an eight minute mile and i just got crushed it it was so demoralizing right yeah it's it's not the the way that it 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 thinks it should go but it's easy to then bail or just be like the guy with the beer belly out there and just be happy that they're doing (laughs) stuff way way too competitive and i was never gonna accept you know like that was not gonna be my last spartan race essentially even though it was a horrible experience at the beginning i was like i know i'm i've got more potential than this i've got to at least get one podium and then call it quits and then that definitely didn't happen (laughs) and then coming from you know the background having lifting some and obviously running some now with ocr stars what makes you the most excited about this event oh i i think honestly this is it's for the people who wish tmx still existed and I think that it also with our earlier discussion on the people who weren't invited to the Spartan games, I think this is going to be like, my, you probably should have picked a couple of these people because they're super well-rounded and they've got a great engine uh, for functional fitness and they're obviously good obstacle races already. I think that it's going to kind of like what you were mentioning, like maybe as a qualifier or something, I think that there are going to be some people who do this where it's like, why did we not pick them for, you know, Spartan games? It would have been a way more versatile field at that point. Yeah, that, that's assuming Spartan pays attention to this at all. But it's it does it is going to allow to it gives us a platform to showcase what kind of athletes we really have, right? Like and mm-hmm. and not just like they went into the woods and came out of the woods and rolled in some mud and then finished this race, whatever. It's mm-hmm. going to actually have quantifiable measures as to what people are capable of, which is going to be really cool and have like these workouts that might live on beyond just this year, kind of like what open workouts do. Like, you know, someone's open score or someone's CrossFit, like benchmark girl score or hero wad score type of thing. Like it might give some sort of benchmark to that. And then we'll be able to see how these athletes did in OCR stars and then how they're out. They are doing out in the actual course. How do you think that that is going to play out? Do you think that 
that the people who do well in this are going to actually let's just run through what it is really fast. Do yeah. you want to just kind of explain what it is? Because I mean, we've talked about it a couple of times. Hunter was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, yep. but let's just give him a quick refresher sure. on exactly what it is. So COVID kind of ruined the season. Hunter was like, you guys have been super supportive. You've helped me get all these sponsorships through the years. OCR in general is, has been really good to him. He wanted to give back to the community. Obviously he's a business person. He wants to you know, make money off it. And that doesn't happen unless people compete. And he wanted to, with COVID and all the restrictions, he wanted to give people something to actually train towards because a lot of people are losing their motivation, but also have the chance to win a bunch of races and, or a bunch of money or prizes, whether if you're an age group athlete, for instance. So don't think like you don't have a chance of winning, even if you're not at the top. But it's kind of incentivized the more people to sign up, more opportunity you have of winning a prize within your division and stuff. And he has tested these workouts for years where they're kind of a staple. It's, it's more of like if you're able to complete this thing unbroken or get this particular time or, or score, you're going to have success. And Hunter is, I would argue, I know Ryan Atkins is right there also. I would argue Hunter is the biggest like overachiever in based on like body size and skill set and stuff in OCR history. Did you know that he has run close to 50 Spartan races? He's never got worse than seventh. And all he ever did towards the end was race the U.S. National Series, Tahoe, like all these big races. And he was always there. He has the best all-time average for the um, U.S. National Series for average place in history. Like he's won some of them. Like it, he's always there. So if these are workouts he says will make you a better obstacle racer, they might not be flashy and they have minimal equipment, uh, with which is good for COVID reasons start doing them like there's a reason he's always had that success and these are some of the workouts he's done historically and i think hunter's a good example because i mean a lot of times the the best athletes in the sport who are doing the best at tahoe are mountain runners who mm -hmm. live at altitude right and hunter's not necessarily that. he's a guy who's in the gym he's slinging around weights he's just having a good time getting strong and still doing really well and i think that that's uh, he's a good example of what you can accomplish even if you don't have like the resources like being at altitude or whatever. So I think that this is a great way to help people. Yeah. Like you said, learn how to train for these things and seeing where you, how you can be competitive in the gym Avenue or the road racing Avenue. So the way that he's kind of structuring everything is four different weeks. And each week he's going to roll out one specific workout, much like how the CrossFit open had typically does. Jack, have you done that open before? I haven't. I, I actually, my gym that I go to now last year was the first time I've gone to a gym that's actually had like an Olympic lifting setup and mm. realistic. Like I did, I did a few workouts. Like there was one with wall balls and rowing that was like, how many rounds can you get with, with oh, yeah, 200 yeah. rowing and like 20 wall balls or something like that. That was awesome. I don't remember exactly how I did like relative without actually logging a score, but like some of them where it's like, you have 10 minutes to establish your max snatch. I'm like, it's going to be like a hundred pounds. I'm not doing that. So I do like pick and choose occasionally, but I'm more of the, I would rather have a structured training plan as opposed to just do what I'm doing. Plus add in all these filler workouts that might get you injured. So I've never really, and it's always kind of like at that bad time of year around like the, the end of the stadium series, like in October and November or, you yeah. know, or like I can't throw in doing Murph when I have, Fenway and San Francisco and a couple other things like within the same month of that, like I'm not going right. to do that. Yeah. Unless you're doing CrossFit, like you're at a CrossFit box or you're, you're that's like your main form of working mm -hmm. out. Then it doesn't really make sense to do the open, but it is damn fun. It, oh, I love it, watching it. Like I pay attention like crazy, no doubt about that. But 
there are certain things where it's like, I am not gonna, like I would get 30,000th in a max snatch thing or, yeah. you, you know, some of those things, but, or like a heavy clean ladder. Like I, I could probably get up four or five at 205 and that's like, you know, I'm tapping out at that point, but. And those type of workouts are built in there with the heavy weight to make sure that the people who advance to the next level are actually good Stronger. crossfitters. Yeah. Right. Right. And they, they will be able to do it. And that's kind of what this is, is doing as well. That's why we're having these flat out runs. Like you're not going to do well in obstacle course racing. If you don't run, you may be able to do like toast to bar bar muscle ups or whatever. But like, if you can't run a mile very fast or you can't run 10 K or 10 miler with in the, percentage where you need to be like you're not going to do well so that's mm -hmm. our way of kind of filtering out the people who might just be good at the gym much like uh, crossfit does for people who might be good at like body weight stuff yeah. by a lot of people, weight a lot of people don't realize like they see hunter doing all these this weightlifting and stuff he has a decade plus of very solid aerobic building as a runner and you know just it, he was a runner in high school he didn't go to college for to be a runner or anything like that but like he he is a runner by nature and yeah he, he also loves strength uh components to it and stuff but there's a reason there are two pure running events in here not compromise running pure running events running yeah, yeah. running and that's basically what, what it's going to look like it's going to alternate so the first event's a running event then it's a gym event then another running event and the final workout is a gym event so let's just let's just go through them let's just talk about these workouts yeah. so the first one is just a mile so Hard he enough. said already announced no surprises and he dropped that out a little bit ago to i guess to give people some time to kind of prep for, for it so i think it's actually a 1600 he doesn't want people to get confused because a lot of dumb people like benny out there don't know how to read it <laughs> and that's fair because you think the mile is just four laps but 1600 is what like is 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 like two seconds slower yeah, faster than a mile typically if you're running a five minute mile that's right. that's about how long it takes yeah so if you go on a track and you see where the start finish line is and you just have to move up the track a little bit and that's actually where the mile is before you actually cross the start finish line but this is a straight 1600 if you're going to be yep. doing it on the track if you're going to do it on the roads it's, you're just going to have to don't run do it on the roads you're not going to be faster go on a track yeah. so <laughs> get a on a track, track. not not a cinder track like unless you all weather track yeah, definitely not not yeah. that was we used to go to the tracks that were cinder in high school and put in like the the half inch spikes just to oh, make yeah. sure we could Jam kind of dig spikes. in there yeah yeah, yeah. I, I live uh, maybe half mile away from a cinder track just outside my neighborhood and for that beer mile i was about to go and do it and i was like starting to warm up and my girlfriend's like what if you're like two seconds off and you found and like from winning and she's like when you want to go on the real track and i went there and it was a night and day difference like i forgot how fast a real track is compared to a cinder cinder is like slow <laughs> like yeah it's yeah it's like sand. it just slips underneath your feet so yep. get to an all-weather track if you have mondo that's even better that'd be great yep. so what do you like about this event what do you like in terms of the in terms of for ocr stars what do you like about the mile a mile is a gritty race you cannot fake it and you will pay the price if you go out too fast, but you'll also pay the price if you go out too slow. It's like that perfect, you know, relationship to OCR where like you lose contact in the first five minutes. You're not making it up. Even if people go out at a suicidal pace, it just doesn't happen. And yeah, you it's going to hurt. That's what OCR is. And you're going to have to think long and hard about three quarters through the race. Like, can I, can I actually push through this? And it's going to be interesting because I personally think that we're going to see a lot of underwhelming times where it's like that wouldn't even place in a city meet at a high school right. from, from top athletes. But guess what? You bring those city meet, you know, champions, they would get crushed in an, in an OCR event. But I, I think that it'll be very interesting to see like Ryan Atkins might not break 430 
or I, I bet like VJ, you, Mark Gaudet, uh, Batris, maybe Veerman. Like there, there are a handful of people that I think might be, if Bracken was healthy or Kirk, I, I think like maybe 10 to 15 people in OCR probably could break a 430 if they're healthiest. I think a bunch are probably in that 430 to 440 range, but you really have to train like a speed athlete on the track and get in some repeats and stuff. Uh, if you want to really, you know, burn it up in some of those. So I think that we're going to have a, some outliers like you guys at the front and then a mm-hmm. huge cluster. So like, don't, don't screw up your last kick. Like it, it I think a lot of people are going to be within one, two seconds of each other. And you might see people who are typically 20 places behind you at a race who have a good engine. They're just not as smooth over obstacles or, you know, as good of a compromise runner in general, mm-hmm. but like some people who I might beat in the stadium series regularly might do better than me, for instance. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see, like, does it actually matter? It probably does because Hunter's putting it in there, but I think that we're going to see some very surprising order of finishes. I think from the actual practical standpoint of, for an obstacle course race judgment, it's just that it's a little different. Like it is a very specific event. So unless you are training for a mile, you, like you said, you're not going to be able to maximize it, right? Like you kind of need to be on a certain block. You need to point your season to doing a mile. You'd probably have to do three or four of the actual like 1600s all out to really f- feel what it's like and have a, a good sense for what it, what it is. Just, so think it's back kinda, in, just think back in high school, like you start in April and then June's when you're peaking. I, right. I would start the year and I'd be like, you know, 1040 in the two mile. And then by the end of the year, I'm almost 10 flat. And it's like, you, you just have that progression because you remember how to hurt that much. Exactly. And you can really spend time. You can't spend that much time running this fast and training for something like obstacle course racing because it just doesn't serve you well on the course. And it takes a lot to recover from like running this hard. So it's almost like an unknown obstacle where you don't know what it's going to feel like. You're probably going to screw it up. Like if you're not, if you're, if you're not familiar with it by going out too fast or like just screwing up with the second line, like people are going to mess it up like the first time they they did that when they were doing like twister or something to like kind of go back to back. Like it's, it's like an unseen obstacle for a lot of people. And I think it's going to be cool to see that the best obstacle course racers aren't, are probably not going to win this event. No, you know, like and they, and just, they, they and they, right, there's, we have like some ringer from, you know, BYU or Northern Arizona, just <laughs> right. well, they, they can't cause of college eligibility, but like, I would love to see someone just drop like a four Oh three and then be like, Let's see how you do in gripper tripper. And then you exactly know, like that. But yeah, I, I think that it's going to be very interesting because a lot of interval work that we do. And like, even as someone who does stadium series and high rocks and like some of the OCR world three K, like that's, I love training for that style of stuff. I'm very rarely going faster than five K race pace, even in no. intervals, like at, at top speed. I might look down at my watch and I'm going, you know, like five fifteen pace. And that's like, that's moving during that type of race because of all the compromise running involved. But yeah, you better be running faster than five fifteen if you want to do well on this. But I think it'll be very interesting. Like you hit that first lap in seventy if you're not used to that. And seventy's not that hard. Like you can do repeats, uh, you know, pretty close to that. But I think it's like you, then you're at two twenty at the halfway point. It's like, oh man, this I haven't felt this for a while. Like that's the wake up call. That third lap that everyone knows about. I think that that's going to be like the make or break. And I have a feeling it's going to be like, good, good, good. Oh, you sucked. And now, now your time goes back down. So, right. Yeah. That's where like everything starts tightening up. Like you're, you're tightening like your shoulders, like your neck and face and everything is just brutal at that point. The last um, time, last time I ran a, an actual mile was that beer mile. And before that it was probably 
six, seven years since I've actually done an all out mile. It's been a while. And I remember during that beer mile, granted, I had stuff in me. It was like lap three. I was like, here's, here's the moment. Let's see it. <laughs> it's still, you have it. still came back to you. And like doing it on a track. I've done a mile on a track probably since college, probably been over like probably been a yeah. decade, you know, mine, like, mine was on a road. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Londonderry, I mean, but, so yeah. Well, good old London day. Yeah. Nice. London Hampshire mile. That's right. And what new year's or Christmas yeah. time. You gotta do that millennium mile sometime. You'll run to try to get up there. Yeah. Break, break four. Finally. <laughs> Is it like straight downhill? It's, it's an 80 foot descent right in front. It goes, it goes from the high school, to max apples, which you probably know. I've been to max apples. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a gradual two to three. It, the first, quarter mile gains like five feet and then the rest of it's all downhill so it's like that perfect three percent gradient all the way just bombing that'd be great and i think for the sake of this yeah that would not be legal i don't think we can you can lose any in this if you don't have to go to a track track. yeah so i think it's gonna be cool to see and i think that's also a good reminder to a lot of the athletes who might become overly obsessed with running not a lot of times this happens, but sometimes you'll get athletes who just really were like, I need to get a faster mile. I need to get faster at 5k when, when really there are different elements of that. So when we see some of the top athletes, maybe not do as well in this mile, it, it just is a reminder to all, to the community. It's like, Hey, like being fast helps, but like, you yeah. don't need to be that fast. It, and also we, ha- we have known about this, this competition for, you know, a month, month and a half. That doesn't mean that everyone's fixing their, like, I, I'm definitely focusing on this. I just messed up my Achilles last week, which, uh, which oh, yeah. So my, uh, I'm kind of bummed. I stepped on a plug helping my girlfriend's sister move out. And I still have like this, this swelling underneath my, on the fascia of my feet. And I'm like, you know what? I'm still going to test out that, uh, the second workout, that, uh, gripper or no, it was a different one with the, with the uh, box step ups. And as I did that, I landed wrong on my Achilles. So I'm like, I'm bummed. I was, I was hoping to do like a bunch of two and 400 meter repeats the past couple of weeks, but I just haven't been able to, but that's the kind of stuff you need to be doing heading into this. Just don't do it within like five or six days of your race, but you could probably get in a few, maybe three or four workouts before then. Cause you have until the Saturday, I guess like November 7th or eight, whatever that is, you have mm-hmm. until Saturday at noon eastern time so or noon pacific one of those just make sure you're correct but you you have time to get in that high turnover stuff that you typically don't practice but that will go a long way in getting a good mile time because it's just a feeling that you don't typically feel and just to elicit that response what it's going to feel like in that those middle that like middle 800 you know the middle 600 about how brutal that can be you need to kind of familiarize yourself with that and like turnover like the mile is short enough that your actual leg turnover could be a limiting factor. So mm-hmm. practicing a little bit and that type of, those type of workouts, you will get the benefit of those workouts quicker than like aerobic work, right? Like it takes quicker. a long time to build up to like a marathon or something, but you can really get the, the response that you want from these fast workouts pretty quick. So yeah. if you haven't been doing workouts, 400s, 200s, 600s or so yeah just making sure you're cranking on them yeah i, I don't skip the 200s they're going to make a difference towards the end because that's over speed training essentially at that point right so if you're going to be doing the way i kind of looking the setup i'm doing 400s and kind of progressing up like i'm doing bottom up i guess you would say so 400s like at race pace and 600s and i'm gonna finish with some 800s like at projected race pace and then probably, probably good knowing that the next running event is going to be a longer one so you're building that you know ability to stretch out your speed longer 
Totally. And then that, that my secondary workout will still kind of be in that aerobic fitness, just maybe some threshold, maybe some tempo stuff mm -hmm. um, later on in the week. But my primary workout for this mile, it's going to build up. And then at the end, it's always going to be some sort of 200s that, is gonna, that are going to be faster than yep. than mile pace. So yeah, the overspeed training will definitely help with that, with that turnover. For the race, how would you approach how are you going to approach the race? What, I would, what, I would try to find some friends to do it with. You will not run your best time unless you are, you, you're not going to do it solo. I know social distancing, do what you're comfortable with. I am going to be back in New Hampshire visiting my family. I don't know the local scene there too much at the moment, but I reached out to a couple people who are, you know, there and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be here. Would you be interested in meeting up? Let me know if you know anybody else in the area. So hopefully I'm able to get like three or four people that are pretty solid. I'm going to have my, old UNH uh, track teammate. He was a 419 miler. I'm going nice. to, he hasn't run, he doesn't run super competitively, but he just randomly did one of those Boston university open meets uh, or mini meets a couple of years ago. And he Indoor. broke two, he broke two flat just like without running and in, in year, like one of those types of guys. So I'm like, Corey, I need you to pace me through 800 or pace us. So hopefully I'll at least have someone who's capable of it. Um, at granted he's, he's going to DNF at that point, but if it, helps, you know, set the pace and keep you on track for the first half of the race. It's just who has the most guts at the end. But yeah, hundred percent would recommend after that speed work stuff we were just talking about, get a couple of people to be with you. You will, I guarantee you, if you run with people, you'll probably five to 10 seconds faster uh, having competition versus a solo effort, especially if it's slightly windy being later in the, the fall as well. Yeah. If you can have some in the pace, pace off of, there is like, you can kind of draft a little bit. Like it, yeah. it does save a little bit of energy, saves your mental energy. If you know what the pace is going to be like yeah. and you, and it's put on the pacer as opposed to yourself, like worrying about it, like that's definitely going to help pull you through. And it's short enough that you can kind of, the mile is short enough that you can surprise yourself sometimes just by pushing yeah. and pushing hard. Whereas like a 5k or a 10k, like your fitness will probably catch up to you and yeah, it's you'll, you'll pay the price. Yeah, yeah, you but, might be able to get through it in a mile, but if it's paced appropriately. Yeah, and one of the important one important things about doing that overspeed work early, like you'll know if you're shooting for a five minute mile, which is a seventy five second lap. If you're going out at sixty five second pace, like you're do not go with that pacer at the beginning or with your friend who's going too fast. Like you need to know what that feels like instead of just relying on the watch at a hundred meters into it and hoping you're gonna hold this for the next four to seven minutes like that that's not how it should go so just get familiar with that but yeah i i can't stress enough if you're comfortable with it with covid run with other people and your watch is going to be inaccurate we've talked about this before your watch is not going to be right on the track so hits hit the splits like break it down for every 200 meters even yep. what your goal pays to be and hit the split button every 200 meters just so you can kind of reset it and see what it's like what it's like on each one of those uh, because the 200 meter mark is going to be a good barometer for where you are. Your GPS watch will get screwed up. So yep. maybe not even using the GPS. Don't even, don't even it. bother. Don't it, even bother. It, so it, for people who are not, you know, well-versed in track, get two cones, put them at the start line. And then there's the equivalent big number a one, a two, a three in each lane on the opposite side of the track. Just put it right next to each of those ones, like at the, at the solid line to start the lane. That is 200 meters. It doesn't matter if, you're, if your watch says 220 meters or 170. That thing has been wheeled out. That is 200 meters. As long as you pass the first cone four times, that is your, your distance that you need to do. Don't worry about where your GPS watch. It's just how many times have you repeated 
running by this point. You need to do it four times. And sometimes the actual, the big numbers will be in different places on the track. Sometimes it'll be like kind of right on the corner. Sometimes it'll be like kind Depending of Depending like on pushed. relay splits and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And just like kind of how it's laid out, like how it's painted. Sometimes like they'll yeah. just be a little bit further up. So wherever those numbers are, that's their 200, no matter what. Yeah. So that, that is also a good point. So you have those cones there and go off 200 splits, just write those out memorize what it what it needs to be and and running as even as possible is mm-hmm. probably going to benefit you the most and this is re- all about if if there's a tiebreaker or two ran the fastest last lap so right you want to run hard but if you can save something for the end one that'll probably help you if you're not a trained track athlete or haven't done a lot of track work for a while but two it'll help you in the placement of your inner competition Right. That's a good point to bring up like that, that last 400, there's incentive to run to get the race over, but also to, for that, to get that tiebreaker. I was reading up on some mile training as well. And Jack Daniels actually, his recommendation is to do the first lap a little slower even, mm-hmm. and then dropping the pace on the second lap. And, and just so you don't blow yourself up. So if you're just, if you're really not familiar, maybe just a second or two slower than what your yeah. goal pace would be and trying to just for for example, if you're trying to run 75 seconds per lap for a five minute mile, do 76, 76 and a half for your first one, go out a little conservatively. And plus you also have to consider you're starting from zero. So you don't have that rolling start. So you're equivalent, like, you know, once you get up to speed, you're probably running at 75 effort, but you don't have to overcome that, you know, dead stop starting position. Um, and then you'll, you'll kind of, you know, get into it, make sure you do a good warm up also, because that's going to make or break your race don't be afraid to turn it on a little bit during your warm-up because you need to know what that that turnover feels like yeah you need to crank the warm-up you need to like crush the warm-up i'm yeah. gonna i'll probably warm up like 30 minutes I, I was gonna say at 30 to 40 minutes and you probably need close to not quite a mile but like at least a half mile of quality work at the pace you intend on racing at whether it's hundreds 200s for like you don't you'll probably don't want to do 400 that's a little long for that but like get in the work yeah, 100s, 200s, even if it's yeah, doing the on the track and yeah. running the hard straightaways and jogging the turns yeah. or something like that. Make sure you're turning it over. Make sure the respiratory system is online because yeah. uh, when you get to – because you're not going to be able to work into it. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to be there. So what would you do if you were if you were looking to run 75s and you ran a 70 for that first lap? How do you adjust? I would have it be a slow decline. Don't just immediately drop down to 75 because then like you kind of lose that confidence and – Sometimes you run your best race when you just you're just ballsy and you don't even intend to. Like my my, fast, yeah. my fastest ever eight hundred was an eight second positive. I went out in fifty six and closed. Oh my god! <laughs> I went out with the guy who ended up running like one forty eight at Harvard, and I had no idea who he was back in when I was in high school. And I was like, my coach was like, just stay on this guy, just trying to do like a mental tactic on me. I didn't know how good he was back then, and I ended up dying but because i was ballsy it actually ended up having my best one now i don't recommend that it was horrible it might not work especially if you you haven't been doing some speed specific intervals like heading into this but yeah i would probably you know lean if you're if you go out on 70 and you're trying to hit 75s i'd probably like slow it down to 72 73 pace the first Mm -hmm. upcoming 200 and then like by the time you reach that next lap, get back on there. Don't do like a, an immediate stop though. That's, that's going to lose your momentum and confidence. Right. I agree. But it is important like that again, having like kind of a backup plan and knowing what those splits look like for like a 70, like three or, you know, yeah, like a 75, a 76, even whatever that looks like knowing those 200 meter splits, just being able to easily do that math will help for something like that because what you don't want to do is 
try to run another 70, <laughs> you no, know, like then it will not end. Well, you will not be able to run back to back eighties at the end. You might you on your third lap, but that fourth lap, you're dead. You're, you're, you're dead. way over your head. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. So if you get in over your head, which you probably will, if you have, if you're not familiar with the mile is going to be jacked up and you're going to want to hammer right from the jump. The running positive splits in a mile, isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you probably want to keep the two halves within as even as two or three seconds yeah. yeah like if you're doing a positive split of like 10 seconds like you left some time on the table just think of all those people you see at a 5k road race who just like are running like usain bolt the last 50 meters it's like they didn't actually max out their potential that race they had the best finish but they were running 20 seconds slower per mile for three straight miles and they saved four seconds at the end when in reality they lost like 50 seconds over the course of the race by not pushing it so i'm thinking about doing this twice that was going to be my next question. So on the mental side, like if you are, you know, two laps in and you're like, oh, this isn't going well, just finish it. Just get it over with, get something on the board. And if you need to retest it, make sure that first effort is early because a mile, especially if like you're wearing spikes and you're not used to doing that. Oh, mm-hmm. your calves are going to be jacked up for a couple of days. And like the, it's, I, it just reminds me of the whole like ultra argument. It's like, oh, well, this is 30 miles versus only a stadium race that takes 30. It's like, this short intensity is going to make you want a wheelchair if you run this right. So do it early. And if you're going to repeat it, do it as late as possible. So you extend that time duration between them. Yeah. I think that that's a, a legitimate way to kind of approach it is if he announces it on Monday, then it's open to do on Tuesday and then doing, doing like a Tuesday and then like Saturday morning, I, I think, or Tuesday, Friday. And yeah. even when you think about it in terms, I mean, there's, Tons of championship races that run prelims for the mile of fifteen hundred yeah. into the final. I mean, these are two granted two yeah. days in a row. Granted, I mean, these are athletes. Yeah, exactly. These are world class athletes who are at these races. Yeah, but they can still do it, and that it's not out of the possibility that you can perform well back to back. And there is something to say about just like being familiar with that second eight hundred, being familiar with that that last six hundred, and what that's going to feel like, and and just that's kind of what that race sharpness is: is just being able to put yourself in that last position of the last half and what you're going to deal with like i'm shooting uh, assuming my achilles and stuff is is feeling good for there like i would like to run somewhere in the 440s i don't have the great top end speed that i used to and stuff but like i I, and i haven't been specifically peaking for this like i probably i would have loved to have done a little more speed work heading into it but like i might go out on tuesday or monday and try to run a five minute mile just to like get that burning and knowing that that's not what i'm trying to do all out but i'm i'm still going to do a speed workout leading into it anyway you mm-hmm. might as well do something pretty close to it like and if it's a good time then it's a good time if i if i'm like 800 in and i'm like wow this is going really well i might see see where it goes just in case saturday blows up or something but yeah just also make sure you have a really good cooldown also if you're gonna yeah. test it because uh that's people do run those back to back races in a couple of days at a high level, but you better believe they're doing like an hour long cooldown afterwards and sometimes even doing a little more work like Gaither and Rupp sometimes does that after a race where you know I don't necessarily recommend that in this in this instance, but yeah, like come back sure to like four by mile in four minutes yeah yeah <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> No, but that's, that's a great point. And just giving yourself that time. And I think it is reasonable to do it twice in that week. And maybe even the week before, like if your training is going okay, like, and mm-hmm. you want to just hit something the Tuesday before, I think that that's also within the, like, well within yeah possibility. So but if you're going to do this on Tuesday as like a trial, and then again, on Saturday, don't do speed work between then don't do like a, you know, some CrossFit girl workout or like, don't, don't go try doing something that's going to leave your, your quads and your hamstrings sore for a few days afterwards. Like treat this as race week. 
tape. Yes. Yeah. You're going to have to, it's all about recovery in that sense, which makes this really an interesting event because like, how do you continue to train? Like there is another long run that you have to train for and you have to get ready for these other indoor Metcons. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. Are you going to, you're going to spike up? Oh, maybe not with no the question. Yeah. yeah. Check. Yeah, check what do you got? Let me get them. So I got these on clearance at uh, Running Warehouse, the Ultra Vanishes. These are like four ounces. They yeah. They don't have actual spikes. That, they're the waffles. Those but, are the cross-country ones? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've got wider feet. I've only run in zero drop ultras or topo athletic and Merrell's, I think, for like the past seven, eight years. So I can't go back to spikes. That I, I know that in general, they're pretty close, but like, I don't I don't want to mess it up, but... I'm, I'm probably yeah. going to do a couple speed works if my Achilles is healing in these just to see how it is. And if not, I might just go on running, running warehouse and just get, get some spikes just to do it. That's a good idea to have some. I've, I actually had running those, but not the, the cross country waffle version. I think a previous version was just yeah. like, yeah, the vanished. They, but they just blew apart. They, yeah, they just, well, there's no support around the like yeah. the outer toe and stuff. So I'm expecting a couple races. Yeah. I these were originally going to be like my uh, Deca fit shoes just to wear them. So they're super like it, it, we were going to do it on at Denver Broncos stadium on the fake turf. So mm-hmm. I was like, perfect. No spikes, but this is just rubber. That's going to, yeah. that's going to be really good. Nice and light, but we'll see how that works. I have a pair of my, I asked my parents, they're going to come down and visit this weekend. I was like, do you have any spikes at home? I put my, my dad like keeps everything. Yeah. He's like, we definitely have spikes. Yeah. I have a pair of zoom milers from like, Oh, three. And then a pair of uh, Ventilus plus. I don't know if you remember oh, those. Yeah. No, that was my, uh, all my all my old teammates used to get that, and like the Matumbos, I think was the other yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ones that the drill, the spikes were drilled in. You couldn't take them out, and like the mesh netting on the upper. I mean, they were like a steeple spike. Steeple spike. There was um, a red. It was all white, and then it had a little bit of red trim on it. There was a, a steeple spike, and it had the Christmas trees on that. I forget the the which one that was. But that was may have also been the Ventilus, but okay, the vent, yeah, yeah. The vent plus the one that's like bright green. There was like other vents okay. that were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna try. I mean, I'm a little nervous about putting spikes on. I, I know that I've I've run in spikes one time in like the past five years, and it took like four or five days for my calves to feel good again. So I would do worry about test that. this ahead of time because yeah. you're used to having a little bit of cushioning and stuff. But the the difference between spikes and no spikes or like racing shoes versus your typical trainers. Oh my god, it's just a a night and day difference. The grip that you can get on on spikes yeah. doesn't matter. Like most road shoes, I mean, they're, they're road performance shoes. They're they're really not. They don't have great grip. So that's what when spikes you can dig into there and just really make some good connection. Yeah. But they will light your calves up. So I'm a little nervous about that. But yeah, who do you think is going to really excel in that? Yeah, that's a good question. And also, we can go more in depth in this like in later. I just want like your yeah, gut reaction, and we'll find out who's competing and stuff later. So I would be really impressed with anybody in the OCR space who gets who touches 420. If anybody goes on a 420, I, find, I don't know if that's, if anyone really has that. 419.9 or faster. Yeah. Yeah. I would it, be very impressed. I'd be very impressed if, any, if anyone in the OCR space is running that fast. If there's some sort of, for all of these, like it's going to be hard if like a ringer comes in, if someone catches wind that a bunch of OCR athletes who are going to run 430 and are, and are doing this thousand bucks yeah. by doing like a 415 and that's easy for them. Like there might be, you know, a dozen people who run under 420 who are like runner runners, but you know, you got to look at the people who are known as the fast runners, like the, the Mark Battress, I think is he, he's going to be really formidable in this, but it's, it's hard to say because it is kind of a specialized race. So even someone who like woods, who has like the fastest 5k, 
people don't years realize ago. he's not in 1350 shape right now. Yeah, that like, was he is like a when phenomenal he runner, but Batris isn't in 217 mile or marathon shape anymore. Like, no, it's just yeah. so I, I actually don't know. I think the winner, at the, if the, an OCR athlete can run like 422, I think that that would be the fastest yeah. that we'll see. Um, I'm looking at some of the names that I sent you. I think VJ is going to be dangerous. He's leaving Cal- or Colorado to race in California. Nice. Um, I, I hung out with him last night and he said that. And that's the other thing that sucks. He's not doing an altitude adjustment. So I'm going to be running my 10K at altitude. That's a 92 second drop if I that run. Does suck. If, yeah. If I run like a 35 flat at sea level or something or slightly fast, that's like. It's like the one disadvantage. Here. Oh. The only time you're at a disadvantage now. Yeah. Yeah. Is the, it, um, the COVID but I, world. I, I would say, I think VJ, Batris, Nick Riker will probably have some wheels. Obviously, you. I mean, after your performance there, you and Mark and. Even Magida, mm-hmm. I think Magida could slip under 4:30. I don't know yeah. his top end speed because he's been doing a lot of marathon stuff. But throw and and he's also isn't he doing that Richmond Marathon in November? I don't think David's going to be doing OCR, OCR stars. stars. I don't think Mark Gaudet is doing OCR stars. Mm-hmm. Nick is. He's yeah. in pretty good shape and he's tough. Nick, um, I, Nick ran like a 4:25 mile last year, just like mm-hmm. with OCR training. So right, yeah, uh, yeah he has like a uh, that was on the roads too. So he yeah. if he. And he's been fairly consistent like the past maybe six weeks or so. So he could probably just pop one um, yeah. and be under 430 or right around 430. Who are you looking forward the most to? Like, I want to, I bet a lot of people, like, I want to know how fast Atkins really is. Or, you know, who, who are you looking forward to the most? <sighs> yeah, that, like, Atkins would be fun to see. I would love if, like, yeah, like, if, like, Killian did it. Or someone of that route. I am interested to see what Woods could pull you know, a mile in. You know that Killian told me he didn't think that he could break 16 in a 5K last year when he won Tile. Yeah, That's we were talking world champion who th- didn't think he could break 16 the week of his world championship. That's crazy. So we were trying to get him to come out. Well, Mark and uh, David were trying to get him to come out for this 10 mile. We ran for yeah. the Army 10 miles last week, and we were telling him like what we were hoping to run, and he was just like, "That's not within my ability level. I'm not going to do that with you guys." Yeah, but. It's not the same thing. It's not the, it's not the same. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I and like I, I'm interested to see what Batris and like what Woods will do. Do you know if Atkins is doing this? Uh, yeah, he signed up. He, cool. Yeah, Hunter tagged him in a post or something on it, and I'm sure, like I guarantee you, they're friends. Like he'll want him to do it just for promotional reasons and stuff. Even if they're all recovering from the Spartan Games and stuff, still like they're not. It's, in, a, yeah. it's a chance to win money, you know. Yeah. Definitely. So might, and I guarantee you well. Atkins will do really well in the other two, even though he's not a CrossFitter. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Without being too high level. Yep. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking somewhere around that 422 would win it. Um, is VJ in shape? VJ's in shape. He's, yeah. he's, he's steadily improved since he moved to Colorado in terms of like where his aerobic threshold is here, uh, or like the pace that at his aerobic threshold. So I think that once he drops back to sea level, he's going he's gonna to be good. He just ran mm-hmm. a 72 or so, 71 and change VO2 max at uh, Riz Diaz's clinic. And he oh, wasn't nice. even he was like he wasn't even attempting to try it. He was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll do it today. Like, so I think that that signifies he's probably and just he's a high speed, uh, fast switch guy. I think that he can probably break 430. He doesn't have an impressive mile to his name, though. He was a 300 he? hurdler. He never like actually ran fast right. miles and stuff. But mm, we'll see. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah, so- I think that a lot of a lot of people like in my caliber, like that next pack, you're gonna have a lot of 440 to 450s. There's gonna be a shitload of 450s. Yeah. So like, like if you can run a 447.2, 
do that instead of a 448 like because that yeah the, that's the zone that's really going to be tough and and probably the 450 to five flat you'll have all those next Tons. people who are even i bet a bunch of like age group podium athletes will still be there and he's giving away prizes to there so i agree and there's gonna be people who think that they can run 520 but haven't tested in two years and, mm-hmm. and they've their training's been cranked up they might pop a 455 mm-hmm. you know so i think if you can get under 445 You'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I think you'll be in a really, really yeah. good spot if that's a if that's a time. I mean, my beer mile, I add up the four splits with alcohol in me, and I ran a five hundred one with those four. Like, I <laughs> nice. better run faster than a five hundred one in this. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be something. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to, to kind of be down in what I was saying. Like four, I think four twenty five, four twenty four is within play for yeah. me. So I think that that would be. You just gonna go out in sixty five and then see what happens. Yeah, I think so. And then just hang, hang on and yep. trying to find a pacer, trying to get somebody to, to, to bring me through is definitely mm-hmm. going to be part of it. Cool. How about on the women's side? I think it's Nicole, like uh, Nell Rojas, probably realist. If she ends up doing this, I think that she kind of has like, she does a bunch of kettlebell work as well. And she's a better runner than Nicole. No offense to Nicole, which is no, hard to, it's hard to think uh, right. that there are people who are just like levels above Nicole as a runner based on what we see. But I think Nicole's PR was like a, yeah, man, I, I don't want to misquote it, but I thought it was like a 427 or like a high 420s, low 430s for 15K. 1500. Uh, 1500, not 15K. So that probably converts to 440s, mid 440s, roughly. Which is fast. And that's, yeah. a, fa- that's a fast female time, a yeah. fast collegiate runner. It's like an okay. A decade removed, though. So a decade removed. Right? Yeah. Um, but I, I think you probably won't see too many people sub five. I don't think that there are too many women in the sport who can break five in the mile by much i think like rebecca hammond could faye definitely could based on her track background but even like the people you think of in the stadium races i don't think a lot of them are sub five shape even though they're the the fast twitch people i think it's going to be the same thing as ryan atkins where like a lot of people who are contenders in all these mountain courses they're probably not that quick top ends but i i would say it's going to come down to like will nell race are we going to have a ringer you know a couple of like the lesser known former track background athletes might come to light and it's like why aren't they up there yet compared to everyone else but i i would say you might have five or so ocr athletes sub five but probably not a ton without yeah. knowing who's in the field yet yeah you're not we're not sure who's doing the on the female side do you not know a ton I, I think i saw uh cassandra omen i i thought i don't know if corinna's doing it or not but i imagine she would with prize money and he's probably hunter probably was talking at the spartan games trying to like recruit some of the top women and stuff and being like hey you know one mile two or or, uh crossfit style events or functional fitness and then maybe one longer distance run you have three or four in your wheelhouse you might as well give it a shot definitely do it that's how i would look at it if i wasn't a runner yeah karina should definitely do it and if if becca hammond is healthy and she's doing it you have to he's done well at heart you know you want to know who i think would do really well Alyssa holly just with her grip strength and crossfit background i like that I think she'll do really well as well. Yeah, she'll do well, and depending on how her running is coming along, she's mm. been rehabbing and seeing if she can get this high end pace. Someone like a Morgan Schultz. Oh yeah, you know she might be doing real well with that track background, a high end track background. She was fast, um, also. She was like a sub four fifty, right around four fifty back in college, and she's only a year and a half, two years removed. Right. So that so she could be someone to look for. Yeah. Look for. It does go away, that. but you can if you're young enough, you can still have that top end speed. And she's like 23 or something, right? And she can sharpen up really quick. I think she'll be definitely one to look out for. Yeah. So the second event is called the Gripper Chipper, and we know a lot about this event, but we don't know 
everything. Yeah. You want to go but, over it? Yeah. So let's go ahead and go over that one. Okay. So, um, so yeah, you, you have it written in front of you. I see that. Sorry. So the, yeah, the gripper chipper is going to be, I don't have it right from me. We'll, we'll, we'll go. It's going to be 200 meter, 200 yards of farmer's walk. The yard or feet? That's a big feet, difference. Feet. I said meters, yeah. but I say, yeah, feet. 200 feet. <laughs> yeah, 200, yards. 200 feet of farmer's walk, 150 feet of walking lunges with the dumbbells at 50 and 35 to your side, like, like, uh, per hand. Yeah. Just not one, not hand. in the front, not in the front rack, not overhead, hanging yeah. at your side. Then it's going to be 50 toes to bar and 25 burpee pull ups. Burpee plus pull up. Yeah. So every and, burpee that you do, you do one pull-up, drop down, do another burpee, repeat. Yes, yes. And there is some sort of penalty for the grip obstacles like the farmer's walk, the walking lunge, and the toaster bar. Every break that you have, there is going to be some sort of penalty with that. We And that's the one thing we don't know. We don't know what the penalty is. Yep. Right. I'm, um, I'm guessing it's going to be something in the 30-second range just to really punish you. So what does that look like? Is that – like I was thinking, you know, five burpees. Like that. Yeah, that that's probably I mean at a higher heart rate that's probably fifteen to twenty seconds. So yeah, I, I could see somewhere anywhere from five to ten burpees. Five to um, ten burpees, right? Or and if you're using dumbbells, it might be like burpee overs or something just to like get rid of the subjectivity instead of like the crappy April D burpees that you might see. Like make it so yes. that there's a he, he was very clear with having the box that there's going to be no subjectivity in terms of did you complete a rep or not with extension. So I would yes. imagine it probably involves hopping over that i don't know maybe maybe it could just be i don't know you can't do another grip based penalty because if your grip failed how can you like do a farmer's walk as your penalty for instance or something so, right right like we switches back to them and that, that's a good point so for the farmer's walk and the walking lunges it'll probably burpee over the dumbbells and for toast bar it'll probably burpee jump and touch the bar something right? like that without having to ruin your grip because you're going to ruin it anyway but if just your like grip failed you can't really have a penalty involving grip no. to your failed grip so no yeah. um, so for this this is all toast to bar right that's that where this all that matters this yep. work at 50 toast to bar that's a lot of toast to bar and especially if you're going to be penalized for for having breaks then you're going to be incentivized to kind of blow yourself up and if you've ever done toast to bar and you've blown up during toast to bar you know that you're only going to be doing one or two at a time oh yeah yeah and, and you and- can easily get there I, I think that this is where you're going to see OCR athletes really suffer. And I would bet the CrossFit or functional fitness athletes will probably make up a, a good 80% of the top finishers. Like overall, if you have like the top 50, you might have 40 of them without an OCR background. Yeah. And this is also going to be what, where, cause the outreach that Hunter is doing is to a lot of CrossFit boxes. And this is where these, these people who don't have toast to bar or haven't, don't have like this CrossFit background, they're going to get a lot of places put in front of them. And mm-hmm. it's going to bury people who don't know how to do toast to bar. It's going to be how way to worse than the gap between the fast miles and like the just behind the miles. Like this is one of those, you might not complete it if there's a penalty after toast to bar dropping. Like, I, and yeah, right. Right. If there's some sort of time cap, like you might get capped. Yep. And then if you are one of the athletes who kind of was in that onslaught of runners who ran 451, this is where you can kind of separate from them. Right? Or like you, you could drop really far back and your 451 doesn't really matter because you're so bunched up with the runners and you lose a ton of places with 
with this, that that's going to be tough. That it buries you. Right. This is going to really kind of make a break. And after this event, I mean, obviously, because it's going to be one running event, one gym event, but this will kind of put who, who the top 10, who the top five are going to be for the rest of the thing. So once mm-hmm. these two are kind of done, we'll kind of, we'll probably kind of know what, yeah. what the outcome is going to be, but really it's the toaster bar. So when you're thinking about training for this, what are you doing? Overload on your farmer's carries. Get used yeah. to carrying 70, 70, like I, I'm, I'm speaking like from, I've done a few high rocks and Hunter's the only person who's ever had a faster farmer's carry than me in any of the U.S. races. Like what I do is they have 70 pounds there. I'll do like 90 at the gym and I'll overload it instead of just being like, I'm expecting 70. I'm going to get really good at 70, get, get good at heavier. And then it feels lighter. So that would, mm. that would be what I recommend. I love that. Yeah. And you don't need to like do 200 feet unbroken every single time you do it. You can do maybe like 50 feet and then do 30 feet of lunges and do that five times, but accumulate the distance required or something like that. But I wouldn't personally go all out for that distance every time. I would, this is a workout you could test in full beforehand to get an idea, but in the training for it, just like if you're training for a mile, you don't run an all out mile. You kind of break it up into shorter intervals. That's what I would do for this. Which is the tempting part. Once we know these gym workouts, like, oh, I'm just going to do the gym workouts. But that's, it's literally what you just said. Yep. Like, you wouldn't just do a mile. Like, you need to figure out the where to get better, how to overload it, how to get more volume in, how to do it with more intensity during training so that when it's time to go for the actual event, it's not yep. as hard relatively. So, yeah, that's a great point. So, even putting this in, ra- in rounds, you know, like yeah. 100 feet of farmers. Accumulate it as yeah. opposed to all at once. Yeah, if you do three rounds of 100 feet, farmers carry 50 uh, you know, 75 feet walking lunge, whatever, 20 toes to bar. Yeah. You'll end up with more work at the end of those three rounds. than yep. if you just did this straight through and like, you probably will get a good idea of what's going to fatigue and what's going to cause you problems when you can kind of run back through them as well. So without knowing the rules, it seems like two dumbbells, two bars. I have a feeling you drop, you know, you're done with your lunges. You can shake out as long as you want, but as soon as you're done with the farmer's carry, you have to drop into the lunges. That's you think so? Guess. That's my guess. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm guessing he'll give you the break. As long you as want you to put cover that 200 feet. Yeah. So if that, if that's the case and you do get a break, I would just, I would run a five minute mile pay, you know, just as fast, get it over with, get it out of your hands, shake them out for a few seconds. Then you don't want to drop on the, on the lunges either. But if you're not used to it, it might be better just to, while your heart rate is still a little bit lower in the early stages and your grip isn't gone, then it might be better just to drop it and take that, whatever the penalty might be for one round, potentially. Like if Mm -hmm. you have to go back and forth, like 75 feet, like get it over with, get that penalty out of the way. And just so that you're not unbroken all the way heading into the toe to bars. Cause I get just like you mentioned before, if you're going to be doing sets of ones and twos at the end, if you're not used to this. And I only started learning how to kip them like the, the actual fast CrossFit way about two weeks ago. And it took a couple of days to really get the mechanics down. And mm-hmm. I'm still struggling to get above like 20 unbroken, like with the constant swing, you know, just actually getting it down. So I, I am willing to bet you will not see more than like two, maybe I bet Atkins could probably do it simply by like hanging and doing, doing this strict. One, yeah. Based on his grip strength. It'd be slow. Yeah, I think someone like Kemps, Matt Kempson, he's got better grip strength than Ryan. And I just he trains CrossFit style. Uh, mm-hmm. I, maybe like Austin Azar. But the two of them, they, we had like a max, you, you hang on a bar and then 
tap your shoulders a couple times, like at the Spartan Combine, and they were on the bar for like seven minutes. So that's I think freak, that, that's that if, if you can hang in a bar like that long, you can probably fake it, but it's going to be more efficient to do the, the kipping method. And yeah, if you don't know how to do the CrossFit kipping toaster bar, you should learn. It is just helps with the momentum. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, th- I think my core is going to go before my grip goes on. I agree. It. Yeah. So do you think it, there's any substitute? I think they're the best ab workout that you can do that doesn't involve like loading, uh, like doing a front squat or thrusters mm-hmm. or something like that. I think you cannot assume that just because you're good at crunches, you're going to do well at something like this. No, no, no. Cause yeah, you are actually, you're loaded up, you're loading your abs when you start hanging cause your, your mm-hmm. legs end up being the load. So that's kind of resistance training for your, for your abdominals. Unless you're doing like, you know, one of the cable crunches, that's the way to kind of load the other direction. But yeah, li- lifting up, I mean, this is, it's an awesome, awesome core workout. I'm, I've been sore and been enjoying it being sore. Been, yeah. been trying to do this. And when you start doing the kipping ones, you'll, you're going to see your, your like chest is going to get sore. Yeah. Like your, your biceps might get a little sore. So you end up working quite a bit. So definitely yep. learn how to do that. Do you recommend gloves or not? I would not go gloves. Okay. On that, just for hand protection maybe then I, you, you might not want it on your farmer's carries or lunge it. And then, you know, you have to switch between that's going to be a few seconds of, yeah. Delay. If you're not, if you, if you don't have a couple of weeks to kind of work the calluses and kind of build things up then maybe yeah. gloves, because if you rip, that would suck. Cause what's you can definitely take, rip. What's your take on this being a good workout? I think it's, it just fast forwards all the grip fatigue that you get and punish Like, I don't think that most people are going to end up doing burpees realistically, but if you're trying to do like an OCR world style race, this this will accelerate the pain and your grip endurance. I like it. I like that it is. And it's going to be a burner. You know, it's going to, you're going to have to kind of go. I think 25 total bars would have been more attainable for the average OCR athlete. But I think the average OCR athlete is much more looking forward to the two running workouts than the average CrossFit or functional fitness athlete. So I think you need that balance on the extremes. Right. Like the 50 toes to bar is almost unfair. Like you, you might not know when you're, where your breaking point is going to be for this. It might be 15 and you might get back on the bar and think you're going to do 10 more and you might do three. So like you kind of have to figure out where that is in training and kind of pushing that threshold and where you do ultimately start to kind of crap out and where you kind of lose the ability to swing and like your nervous system gets so fried from this that you just kind of stop functioning. What's your, what's your recommended practice? technique for that do you, is it similar to my farmer's carry you just break it up into smaller sets get used to it slowly build up to more yeah i would definitely just start with you know five sets of 10 things like that and having yeah. that break and taking reps. And good reps not 10 good reps yeah and don't and, think of it don't think of it like ocr training where a lot of people are like i have to do it at a high heart rate and stuff get it down and then work in the fatigue after that's a, that's a great point do it do it more like bodybuilding training like more like regular yeah. sets and reps like do five, do 10 and then rest for 90 seconds and then do 10 more. So you can focus on that form and figure out what else you can do besides crunching your abs to make it better. Like think about pulling the down on that bar and raising yourself back and up and away, like using your lats to help with this, because the more you can make this a full body exercise, the better it's going to be. So really trying to leverage your body and and figuring out how to move through this is what CrossFitters can do while maintaining really good form. Is, is how they are able to do a bunch of these. So if yep. your form is wacky and you're just kind of like, kick, like pulling your knees up and kicking the bar or flicking it just to not using the momentum, or you're just trying to cheat these reps, like it's going to come back to you. So I would yep. definitely just kind of break things up and, and, and I would work it under fatigue as well. Like what yep. we talked about with give yourself, penalties. Yeah. give yourself penalties, you know, make the penalty be something like, 
like I had, we were doing ones like doing 60 total toes to bar. Every time you, you broke, it was, you did six burpee box jump overs just to work a little bit of the other skill that yeah, we'll yeah. talk about later. But yeah, I, I would also say that if you are on rep 45 and you're like, I got to drop, I got to save it for the pull-ups. Don't just get don't. it over with. Do You will not lose your grip ability to do one pull-up and you're hopping up. So that's giving you enough, you know, on the, on the burpee pull-up portion, the pull-up portion of that, that just, just if you have to do singles at the end of it, just stay on that bar as long as you can to avoid another penalty. Cause you can fake your way through the pull-up. You can do one at a time and just be, be back at a dead hang. And if your grip's hanging on, like keep doing that. Yeah. But this is going to be an appropriate place to have a plan. I wouldn't go there and just be like, I'm going to see if I can do 50. Like you probably won't, you probably yeah. won't be able to do 30. So even if that means doing tens, if that's like a, a 20, 20, 10, if it's a, whatever that means, like have a plan and just kind of take the penalty. I would argue you could do this three times during that week. Also. You think so? I think, I don't think the 150 feet of lunges is enough to kill you. Your grip might be messed up and maybe it's better to do it too, but without question, you can do this with a repeat workout. Yeah. And with that, like start training the volume of the walking lunges. So it doesn't kill you. You still have a couple of weeks to kind of build that up um, because that's probably where you would be most sore. But yeah, you're right. Once your grip comes back, it's like kind of back. Yeah. The the burpee pull-ups, that's just a grind. That's not really going to be anything that you need to conserve with. It's like the last lap essentially, like just down low skill. Yep. I just muscle your way through it. Don't worry about that at the end. It's going to take two and a half minutes or so, probably three minutes. Um, prepare for it. It's going to be yeah. horrible. So yeah. definitely try to be unbroken through the farmer's carry and walking lunge, I'd say, and have a plan yep. for toes to bar. Yep. And practice Same. the shit out of them. Who's going to do well? Uh, crossfitters. I, I think, like I said, I really do not think you're going to have too many people in OCR just due to the massive volume of toe to bars do that well. I, I think that this is going to be one of them that differentiates it. Most people are used to like, I'm really good at farmer's carries or I'm, I can hang on a bar forever, but this is a skill movement as opposed to a, an extended hang duration type of movement. This isn't lacheing. This isn't going on nunchucks on a rig. It's how can you, how strong is your core? And mm-hmm. a lot of things can work your core also. In the meantime, I don't think there's honestly enough in two to three weeks to make that much of a difference in this point. So I would just focus on that specific movement, but yeah, this is going to be one of those ones that's going to punish the OCR athletes, especially if there's a penalty every time you drop. Yeah, I agree. So the CrossFitters, whoever gets in, I think are going to do well. If you get high level CrossFitters again, going after the thousand dollars for this workout, that's probably going to take five minutes. Like uh, that would be an advantage or someone who's just like these type of like those are moves like, our advantage for shorter athletes. Mm-hmm. So oh, no doubt being six lanes one and- sucks. I hate all these like drop to the ground ones, but guess what? Hunter's six, two, and he's creating the thing. So he's, he's doing it. So yeah, it's, it's definitely no excuses where I think being, being shorter in OCR is def- is typically a disadvantage. So uh, we'll give him the toes to bar for this one. Yeah. I, I would say this event. So it's, it's unique. I think workout number two, it's going to hurt you being taller or being shorter, but workout number one, it's kind of a toss up because you've got to go farther on the lunges and, and and it's easier to do the burpee pull up to just get to the bar for the pull up. But yeah, I think a workout two is really going to hurt people. We'll, we'll get into that. Totally. You know, but the names that some of the, the OCR people, you know, you got to figure Isaiah would do well on this. Oh yeah. He, he, he will he match did, this. He was top 20 in the CrossFit open. He was ahead of like Noah Olson and a couple people in a workout where I think it was, was it like double unders? thrusters and then tota bars like as many reps in 20 minutes or something so that's just mass volume 
of Toad of Ours. Like I, right. I think he, he did something like you know fifteen to twenty rounds of it. That's four hundred. I don't. I have no idea how your core can handle that thing. And I was on it. There are a couple of workouts. I think it was sixteen point one. It was Dan or six. It was two thousand sixteen. It was Dan Bailey versus GKB, and basically they had what was it, it was twenty five Toad of Bars. And then a clean, you do the same, you do like 15, 13, 11, not like a, a cut down ladder of progressively heavier of uh, cleans, power right. cleans with, with uh, double unders in between there. Right. And you can see them the first three rounds, they're like going unbroken on all these toe bar or two rounds. And then it's like, let's, let's do 10 and 10, 10, five. And that like, it, it goes out very quick, even for the people who are winning the open essentially. Yeah, fifty toes to bar is a shitload of toes to bar. There's never a workout where there's fifty toes to bar for a round of something. It's now like ridiculous yeah. amount. Now we're we're hypothesizing that there is a penalty. I know he wrote out the workout. I didn't see him specify it. I just think that there will be. If there isn't, what's your your take on getting through the first two as quickly as possible and then just doing one 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 as fast as possible? That could be another strategy. I would do tens. I think yeah, tens I, is sustainable. I, I would I would say do at least five. Fives and, or tens, yeah. being dead like because you. That is enough break that if you, but you can just jump down and almost not break and jump back up that it does give you uh, a little bit of respite from that fatigue. So yep. if there is no penalty, definitely break it up. <laughs> you break yeah. it up fast, break it up yeah. soon. We'll, we'll, um, we'll know in a couple of weeks what the rules are though. Yeah. I'd also, you know, Matt Kempson, same thing. Like he's a grinder for this. This will be a really good one for him. I, I, did, I think Atkins obviously, but I think Austin Azar is the name to watch. Okay, cool. That's that's good to know. I wouldn't I wouldn't have known. Um, he won both of those Spartan Combine events, the bucket carry and the uh, the double sandbag carry. So anything with like core stability type of thing with like a low. I know this isn't the same type of loading, but he's got a great core. Obviously, he's great. He's, he's, he's yoked. Looks he, great in the photos. Yeah, and he hung on the bar for like six plus minutes and in that dead hang thing. So like. I have a feeling someone like that would be really good. Yeah, and he's a big dude too, so I'm sure like the lunges are, mm-hmm. are within his wheelhouse. Dude, Nick Riker, Nick is like strong as shit. He's like yep. caveman strong. Like he just is. He can just yep. do this type of stuff. So the first two things aren't going to be a problem. I think we'll figure out the toast bar. I think Nick will do well. Do you want to know who I think would be really good? Forrest Vogue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This this would be a good shorter huh? athlete with ridiculous like functional fitness ability. Just in in general, I think he's going to have probably the fastest portion of burpee pull ups in the field. Just he's so good at burpees, mm-hmm. um, and he's just got like a great engine. So I think that if he's really good at toe to bars, he could be someone to watch as well. The if he doesn't have to break up the lunges, he will probably be slow through the lunges. Lunges. I mean, he's not a big dude. That's where yeah. like a hundred pounds for lunges isn't nothing. So if it comes down to speed, mm-hmm. I think he'll be playing catch up for toe to bar and burpees. But that's a good one. I think Forrest will do well in this. And and I also saw Lucas Stora, the German high rocks guy who used to hold the record, he signed up. Oh, nice. So Chris, Chris Woolley as well. So I think the two of them could, could do some damage. I'm just looking at this. Cole Schwartz is doing it. I don't know. He's he's always good at a lot of these hybrid style workouts. So I think that he could probably do pretty solid. How do you think you'll do? I think that one's going to be a good one for me, depending on the penalty. I think that my my goal, I, like I know 100% I can get to the bar, with, like for the first tote of bars without too much fatigue. I'm pretty good at like once I lock it out of my arms, it's going to stay there in, in these farmers carry type things. So I think I could probably get those first two done in less than two minutes, probably shake it out if, if allowed for, you know, a little, not, not too long. And I would like to do hopefully two sets, maybe like if I can 
get up to comfortably doing 30 in the next couple of weeks, like at, at various points, then I think that I would try to do 30, 20, like get as many done in the first possible one at what, and I would like to, I, I would like to think that I will fail due to core as opposed to grip strength. Cause if your grip strength, I, I would argue that's even worse than your core. Cause if you can't stay on the bar, it doesn't matter if your legs can get up, you're, right. you're in trouble. So I would like, I would hope that I can, you know, get a, do like a 30, 20. I don't know if I'm I, un, unbroken 50. That just, that doesn't seem attainable realistically. So yeah. I'm trying to work that in and then I'm just going to go all out in the burpee pull-ups towards the end. Yeah. There's no way to tell what that's going to be like. Like that's going to be splitting hairs in terms of like, yeah. what's going to be fast for a burpee pull-up set. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm not nervous for this one. Are you though? Uh, m- more nervous for this one than the second gym yeah. work. I think this is going to be the one that really shakes things up for people. This one is going to be, yeah, like if I can survive this one, I'll be in pretty good shape, I think. Oh, yeah. But uh, the the toaster bar is just a wild card. And I'm good at, I'm I, I, I'm good at these, but with practice, like I've done CrossFit for a long time. I know how I've been doing toaster bars like this since like 2011. Yeah. But I just need to figure out how, like I got to figure out where my work capacity is now and not take penalties on the farmers and the walking lunges because burpees, if it's burpees, like, that will fatigue your core. <laughs> like yeah, it just, it's like, literally you're dropping down and doing a crunch every time you kick your feet back and stand yeah. up. So you're doing, you know, 25 crunches after doing 50 toe to bars. And while you're bracing your core while doing lunges and farmers, this is a core and a grip workout. That's all it is. I would make sure that I, I, I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm relatively kind of tapered within my yeah. core. <laughs> like for yeah. this one, like yeah. just making sure I'm stre- I'm, I'm fresh and strong. Cause I've done some toaster bar workouts at the end of like a long work days and they end up being really, really challenging. So like the fatigue does build up and and making sure that, you know, you're fresh on the day for this and just kind of staying away from core ab work Mm -hmm. leading into it. Yeah. Um, I would say practice on the bar that you plan on using also. Cause like, I I know I go to, I have multiple locations for my gym and some of them have like different size bars. Some of them feel sweatier. Some of them are like detached instead of like a solid bar. So it's like, just get used to what you're going to do it on. Yeah. And uh, have a plan. So, I mean, yep. that's kind of the idea of all this, but just have a plan for those toes to bar. Yep. Uh, women's end. Who do you, I mean, Corinna? I, I was going to say Emma Harry, the, the cross or Emma Chapman. Not Emma Chapman. Chapman. Um, She's in. Short, yeah. Really good. She qualified individually for the games before they shut it down because of COVID or withdrew her, her entry for it. She qualified. She individually. Yeah. She was oh like God. 29th or something. And they took top 30 or 40 and she was one of them. And then they're like, sorry, we're reducing the field due to COVID. So it got rescinded, which is horrible, but short, great grip strength has a very strong CrossFit background. I would think she's going to do really well. And I'm sure Hunter probably was able to convince Sam Briggs, like, and yeah. Christy around, like the other ones that we saw at the CrossFit early uh, Spartan games, like, Hey, recruit some of your friends. You want to win some money? Like I, I do not. Okay. I, I was going to say, I don't think that, OCR girls will do as well. But then again, Nicole is so good at like rock climbing and has a very strong core and she's light. So I don't think that that hanging on the bar is going to be too big of a deal. I know that she hung out with Nell Rojas also in Boulder as well for like, it's and Nell always used kettlebells and stuff. So I'm sure that Nicole had a little bit of experience with that as well. Um, but I would say that she could be one of those people who could muscle through singles or doubles for a right. long time at the end and, yeah. and have that grip endurance to make it work. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, the people that we might know would be Corinna, might be Emma Chapman. Um, Sam mm-hmm. Briggs we talked about her earlier, but the, just a caveat to both to, to this workout 
any CrossFitter that comes in who is any like what was like a regionals qual- quality of athlete is yeah. is going to smash. They're going to kill everyone. So that's just a caveat there in terms of if, if you're a short, you know, functional fitness, high level CrossFitter, you're salivating at this one. Yeah, you might you're trying to win that thousand bucks. The rest of us were just trying to get through it and just yeah. do and just knock out the other runners, really. Um, last question on this. I mean, and we'll probably cover it when we talk about it later, but we have the option to do kettlebells or dumbbells. If there is a, the option to like switch, cause I think that farmer's carries with kettlebells are easier than with dumbbells, but I think lunches are better with dumbbells than with kettlebells. Hmm. Do you think we would be able to kind of switch those out? Like do the farmer's walk with the kettlebells, put them down, pick up the dumbbells and start walking. I don't think he would allow that. I thought that I heard him say on a different podcast that it was, you have, your machine or your your tools and that's where you're going to be using the entire uh, competition now the the tough thing is you can see like a lot of you go to the gym and it's like here's a 24 kilogram uh, kettlebell that's 52.9 pounds if you like kettlebells better like do you do that extra 2.9 pounds that's going to add up yeah i would especially in a grip saving workout like get used to both just in case but know that you know, it's, it's going to hurt no matter what, but some people like the balance in their wrist a little bit better based on whichever uh, equipment you're using. So practice both, figure out what you like better. Yeah, totally. I think lunges are objectively harder with kettlebells, just with the, the way yeah. they swing. But yep. If you like it, you like it. It's, it's a nice grip. It's mm-hmm. a better, better material typically. 